the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It was four days and nights before the worst of the mob was finally put down. We never knew how many New Yorkers died that week before the city was finally delivered. My father told me we was all born of blood and tribulation. And so then, too, was our great city. But for those of us what lived and died in them furious days, it was like everything we knew was mightily swept away. And no matter what they did to build this city up again, for the rest of time, it would be like no one even knew he was ever here. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from uh, the 2002 movie, The Gangs of New York. Uh, if you haven't seen it, this is a must-see. It's a true story about the, uh, the gangs of New York going on in the, in the 1860s when uh, Lincoln was president and the Civil War was going on. And I've watched it a million times. I've seen it. Uh, I've, seen, uh, I've used a lot of the scenes 
uh, on my show over the years, and I watched it the other night, and I never noticed this uh, this scene at the at the very end. I just I guess I never never uh, popped into my head that this is such a great a great uh, example of what's going on. And of course, today he's talking about everything. You know, where for those of us that that lived in those days, everything that we knew was being mightily swept away. And uh, you know, no matter how long it takes to rebuild uh, New York, uh, it'll be like it'll be like we were never here. Knowing all the people that come behind us will, it'll be like they never knew we were here. And you know, that's kind of what we're seeing going on in America over the last four or five, six years is the woke crowd. The woke crowd is trying to take down our our uh, our memorials and take down our statues and wipe out our laws and wipe out everything that was the years and years of of time that America was being built. America was being built, and uh, we were learning from our mistakes. You know, we say, "Hey, we don't want to we don't want to memorialize anything that happened in the early days because our leaders were were uh, slave owners." And that's not right. So we should take those take those uh, memorials down. But you know what? Our past, our past is how we got here. the The great thing about America is that you know we fought to get rid of slavery, and not just black people fought to get rid of slavery. White people and black people fought to get rid of slavery, and we overcame. We we started out with with one set of rules, and as we started discovering discovering, hey, this isn't really right. This isn't really right. You know, we stood up and and made changes, and it's uh, that's one of the great things about America is that we change. We have the right to change our constitution. We have the right to change things, but. The basic foundation shouldn't be changed. The basic foundation of right and wrong should never be changed. And uh, this is what that that scene from the end of Gangs in New York just this is what we're witnessing right now. And that song was uh, "You're What You Own" from the movie Rent that came out in 2002, uh, based on the play that came out in uh, 1994. And I had never seen it. I had never seen it. Uh, Don and I. Uh, from 2002 till uh, right before COVID, uh, we went to New York City and we we used to go every 12 to 18 months and just go to New York City and just su- such a great experience of of uh, history there that we'd go and just hey we'll book a book a hotel for for uh, four nights and with no plans just go in there get plane tickets and a hotel room and we just screw off and eat eat fancy steak dinners and eat a uh, and uh, drink uh, eat pizza at the corner places standing up and uh, buy hot dogs at the stands and go shopping and go see shows and uh, when rent was one of the popular shows out there we never went because people said it's just about it's just about a bunch of gay people in New York, and you know I really don't want to go see a, a show that's just about a bunch of gay people. But if you've read my book, I make a I make a comment about you know the devil wears Prada isn't about isn't about fashion it's about business it just happens to be set in the fashion industry and draft day isn't about isn't about football it's about character and it's and it's just happened to be set during the the football draft. And this this uh, this this movie that that play is not about gay people. It just happens to be set in a group of friends that happen to have a whole bunch of them were gay. It's about it's about the rent's too high. 
It's about what we experience every day that having to pay our bills. It's a, it's a problem having to pay, pay your bills when your rent's too high. It's hard to pay your bills when you've got kids to feed and the price of gas is $7 a gallon. And, it's, uh, and I woke up in the middle of the night and, my, and Don and I sleep with the TV on. You know, we start watching a movie and then we fall asleep and it just goes on all night. And we wake up and, of course, if the TV goes off, uh, it gets too quiet in there and we go, hey, what happened? How did the TV go off? So I wake up in the wake up in the middle of the night. I don't know what movie's playing, and this song came on, and I start listening to it. I go, "Wow, that's a good song." And I rolled it back to see what to see what they're talking about and see what movie it is. And I watched it this past week. Say, so, hey, I want to know. I want to know. I thought about using this song last week, and I go, "I want to watch the movie and see what the context is." And they're talking about uh, you're what you own. That's how America works, folks. You know, when you're living in America at the end of the millennia, this is the whole movie takes place from uh, Christmas Eve 1989 to Christmas Eve 1990. And they're talking about um, paying the rent. It's hard to pay the rent. It's hard to pay the bills. It's hard to keep your, your heat on. And, uh, and that's not unique to gay people. And it's not unique to 1990. That's all the time. And, uh, you know, hey, you're what you own. In other words, you rent. So you're captive to the to your landlord. You don't own if you don't figure that out. And today's kids are going to have problems when they become adults is, hey, you have to focus on on building your building your estate, because when you're too old to work, you better have some money in the bank. You better own a house because uh, that's for most people. I know my parents got to retirement with no money, but they had a paid off house. And of course, uh, they didn't know until they were in dire straits. Uh, my dad, my dad, being an accountant, thought he knew everything, and I wasn't going to tell him tell him something that uh, that was smarter than what he knew because I suggested doing a reverse mortgage uh, when they first came out. And uh, you know, I didn't know much about him, but I, what I did know about him said, "Hey, this is a way you can use your equity to live on." And uh, and of course, they finally did it when they when they got to where they didn't have any other options. And you don't have to do that. If you're interested in looking into reverse mortgages, you're at retirement age, you've got more more life left than you have money, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020, help you out with a reverse mortgage. If you don't want a reverse mortgage, but you want some other kind of uh, mortgage, and you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me 855-640-2020. And uh, next week, I'll tell you uh, how to get to my... Uh, to my uh, web page uh, when uh, they finally clear my license uh, at the uh, NMLS for my California license. Although they're clearing all the rest of my licenses, but California, apparently uh, my previous employer didn't, uh, didn't clear my DRE, my DRE license with California, even though I renewed it, but they didn't clear it with NMLS. And of course I talked to NMLS uh, this week and they say, Hey, there's only one more, one more condition. It's uh, your, your payment for the updating your, updating your uh your license which i paid on monday came out of my bank on monday uh but they still can't see it on friday um i don't know how i don't know how all this stuff works but just doesn't seem like uh uh the government uh agencies have the best of technology hey so uh so i'll give you all the new information on my new uh company i'm at i'll give it to you uh first of next week and uh and uh, they said I should be cleared on Monday. And uh, and how you, how you can get in touch with me. But for now, email me to ed at edhoffman.net or call me at 855-640-2020 if you need some help. If you want to hear uh, any part of the sh- you can also go to edhoffman.net 
go to the uh, do the contact page, or you can uh, and uh, while you're there, if you want to hear something repeated, or if you miss the show, you can get get the show on the on the uh, podcast page. You can also get the show on podcast on. Uh, SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can subscribe subscribe for free, have it automatically download to your uh, device you listen to podcasts on. Uh, once a week, I record on Friday mornings, and it uploads on Friday afternoons, and it will download to your, your phone or your computer uh, some sometime shortly thereafter. So, uh, And if you have comments on the show, send me an email to net. So let's talk about what's going on in this country this week. So, hey, just Friday morning, I'm recording on Friday morning. We just heard that uh, apparently uh, Nancy Pelosi's uh, husband, Paul Pelosi, uh, was attacked in his house. They broke into his house uh, about 2 a.m. Friday morning and attacked him with a hammer. And uh, he's uh, uh, he's in the hospital with uh, uh, some kind of a skull fracture. And uh, you know what? I just think of this. Who do you think did it? Has anybody asked his wife? She's the one I hope did it. Yeah, as anybody asks his wife, maybe Nancy did it. Maybe Nancy's still mad about, uh, you know, who was in his car when he uh, got his DUI a few months ago. Uh, maybe. But apparently this guy was uh, looking for Nancy. And after he attacked Paul, he said, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Another reason why I wonder, why is Nancy still serving? She's just she's just ticking off everybody everybody in America. And now, now I'm surprised nobody's done this before, but... Um, now they're getting to where they just want to attack her and uh, and kill her. This new this guy they caught is being charged with attempted murder and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, we'll hear more on that, I'm sure, over the next few days. So uh, let's talk about the midterm elections are 10 days away now, and there's lots to talk about on the national stage, especially when it comes to the possibility of Republicans taking back power. Remember, we start out the year predicting a red wave, but by the summer, things were looking a lot better for the Democrats. Thanks for their thanks to their obsession over the Supreme Court's decision over Roe versus Wade. And uh, so and as we talked about last week, they put a lot of uh, a lot of stock in that and that they're spending so much money uh, pushing the abortion thing, thinking that's going to get people to uh, to vote for Democrats just because uh, the conservatives don't want abortion to be legal. Of course, as I point out last week. Apparently, people are more concerned about whether they can eat or not, whether they can put gas in their car to get to work. Um, After Labor Day, when it became clear there was no relief in sight for inflation, Republicans gained back their ground in the polls. Now, a New York Times piece on Tuesday says we can expect anything on election night uh, from the article. It would say it would be easy for Republicans to squeak out a win in Pennsylvania, Arizona or Georgia and take the Senate. But it would also be easy for the Republicans to make large gains in the House, a lot easier than people think. There are alarming polls for the House Democrats in places like Rhode Island's 2nd District and Oregon's 6th, where Republicans seem to be competitive or ahead. This kind of warning sign rarely happens in isolation. In fact, there's additional evidence for Democratic softness in the polling in New York, Washington, and Oregon. Further proof that 2020 was an anomaly, or that that there was something wrong in the election because we had re- Republicans winning down all the ballots in the swing states. So the for Senate, for for uh, House, for all the other elect, for all the other uh, for all the other uh, uh, offices that people were voting for, but for some reason they voted for Biden for president. And uh, you know I have to think of uh, a, a, re- a response to that. Bah, 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 bah. 
BS. There's no way that happened. All eyes are on Pennsylvania, where Democrat Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman is facing off against Republican and TV doctor Mehmet Oz. And if you've seen the polls, you see a few polls where they're neck and neck that Oz is like three-tenths of a point behind him. And there's some other polls that we saw in the last few days um, that show that uh, Oz is ahead by as many as 3, 3%. When their one and only debate happened Tuesday night, it was clear that the stroke Fetterman suffered in May has had lingering effects on his cognitive abilities. For the past few weeks, Democrats have been condemning anyone who said Fetterman's health made made him unfit to serve. But the truth came out on the debate of uh, Tuesday night, and it was hard to ignore. Let's also talk about the elephant in the room. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. Young, uh, young, uh, Young you know, students, to, to give them a break, I believe that that supporting... Uh, I didn't hear you say you would release your full medical records. No. Uh, yeah, again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Okay. Well, my doctor says I'm fit to serve, so that's where I believe I'm, uh, I'm standing. Eh, all right. Uh, said a lot of... And, and this, these aren't the only clips that I'm playing today that illustrate that Fetterman's not all there. Um, and when he says, hey, I'm fit to serve, all evidence that we witnessed Tuesday night showed that his doctor is full of it. Another questionable moment came when Fetterman was asked whether he currently supports fracking, an important part of Pennsylvania's economy. I absolutely support fracking. There is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Uh, I, I I do support fracking, and I don't I don't I support fracking, and I stand and I do support fracking. So eloquent! What's a, what an eloquent comeback, I must say. Not, and just so you know, Pennsylvania has a long history with fossil fuel industry. It's home to America's first major oil wells, and it shares with West Virginia the Marcellus Shale Formation, estimated to be the largest gas field in the United States. So this is pretty important for for voters in Pennsylvania and for jobs in Pennsylvania. Um, as As a Democrat in politics, you'd think John Fetterman would be careful about needlessly profiling an unarmed black man, uh, but that wasn't the case for him in 2013. The incident goes like this. John Fetterman, who was at the time was mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania, heard gunshots in his neighborhood while outside with his four-year-old son. After putting his son inside the house, Fetterman jumped in his truck and chased down Christopher Meyeris, a young black man he saw jogging on the street. And, of course, he profiled him, and once Fetterman caught up to Meyeris in his truck, he got out and held Meyeris at gunpoint, pointing his 20-gauge shotgun at Meyeris' chest until police arrived and they found no gun on Meyeris. Here's how Dr. Oz used this in the debate and Fetterman's uh, confusing response. There's one person on the stage who's broken the law, we believe. John Fetterman took a shotgun, chased an unarmed African-American man, and put the gun, apparently, according to that man, to his chest. I'm the only person on this stage right now that is is successful about pushing back against gun violence and being the community more safe. And being the community more safe. So I think what he was trying to say, he's the only person who's pushed back on gun violence and making the community more safe. I think that's, I think that if I was an interpreter, 
that's how I would explain it to the people on the other side is what I would guess he's trying to say. And, of course, we have to push back on gun violence and uh, in the way Fetterman does and make sure that we get rid of guns because gun. you know, I have a whole bunch of guns at my house and they haven't shot anybody yet. Matter of fact, I have I have a gun with me now, and it hasn't shot anybody yet. Um, just not sure where this is going. Just not sure. Uh, but you know what? Hopefully, the 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 voters got to see. So now we're running for Senate. Fetterman is campaigning on a criminal justice platform and overcompensating for his past mistakes. Most notably, he's been going around comparing murderers on death row to Morgan Freeman, and not only Morgan Freeman, but to your grandparents. For skeptics or those that aren't familiar with with the state of affairs in Pennsylvania, I reference a cultural touchstone that most have seen, the Shawshank Redemption. And I say, who thinks Morgan Freeman should have died in prison? You know, and no one says, yeah, he should have. Then I'm like, that's what this looks like in Pennsylvania. Some people in the public think that they're, you're talking about all bunch of Hannibal Lecter's in prison, and they're not. They're like your grandfather. They're like your grandmother. Yeah, I don't know where that comparison goes on. Uh, my grandmother and my grandfather uh, never went to jail because they were never were committing crimes. And, of course, uh, they were victims of, of crime, um, but they were never committing crimes. So I don't really see it like that. And, you know, it's it's a bunch of people like my grandmother and my grandfather in jail. I don't think so. And as I've said before, I think we should uh, put people in jail and make them pay cash bail if they're even available for j- for bail at all. And uh, if our jails get too uh, get too crowded, we'll build more and create more construction jobs and uh, and keep our our law abiding citizens safe. Because I just don't think I don't really think there's redemption in jail. I mean, I know God redeems uh, for for us sinners, but I don't think I don't think. Most of, the, most of what I see is people go to jail and they come out and more times than not, they go back to being uh, criminals again. So if that's the case, leave them in there. Leave them in there for a long time. Let's talk about our own state now. Uh, Gavin Newsom will end up winning the governor's race probably yet again. Uh, but there's always hope that Brian Daly, uh, Brian Daly, who's the Republican uh, comp- uh, uh, competitor, oppo- opponent against uh, Gavin Newsom, um, we have have hope for him, but Brian Daly performed well on Sunday in the only California gubernatorial debate of the election. If you didn't know it was on going on, then you didn't see it. I had to go on the internet, and I actually didn't even know it was going on. And I saw somebody say, "Hey, I'm going to uh, to uh, Ken Calvert's office to watch it streaming." And I go, "Oh, I don't have to go to Ken Calvert's office. I'll I'll pull it up on the computer." And I watched it, and of course, uh, it was on the internet, but. It was on TV at the at the public access channel in San Francisco, or you could see it on YouTube. Uh, it played on the public access channel in San Francisco, but not anywhere else. Apparently, apparently the governor uh, only is important if you live in San Francisco. Um, not in Southern California it doesn't make a difference. And uh, of course, the polling the polling to date. So as likely voters, likely voters in the polls, 53% are going to vote for Newsom, 32% for Daly. Um, then there's undecided and others that take up another 15%. But if you look at it here, Democrats, 86% of Democrats are going to vote for him. Only 4% of Republicans, 84% will vote for Daly. So it's all going to come down to turnout. 
So if you guys are skeptical about our electoral system, as you should be, um, and you're thinking about not voting because you don't think your vote counts, your vote really counts this time. So make sure, make sure and, uh, and go out there and vote and make sure here's how I voted. And I posted my ballot on, on Facebook and I voted no on all the, all the propositions. Cause I don't care about gambling. I don't care about the Indian tribes because I don't think care about the Indian tribes. I don't think they're doing their, their, their people any good by just paying them 15, 20, 25,000 a month for doing nothing. Cause I don't really think that teaches them anything about having to be, Hey, it, it creates self-reliance. No, it doesn't. It creates reliance on the tribe and the gambling people. I don't care about smoking weed and I don't care about any of the other stuff. And I don't care about giving the teachers unions more money to, to just waste saying they're going to do something good for our kids. Cause there's no evidence it ever happens. So, uh, so anyway, um, I'll, I'm, I'm, all, I'm running out of time for this half of the main event, so I'm going to stop here, and uh, we're going to have a break of five minutes, traffic, weather, sports, and the commercials, and stay tuned. I'm going to talk more about the, uh, the gubernatorial debate, and I'm going to talk no, more about uh, what's going on with, uh, with everything going on in this country. Don't go away. AM 590, the answer. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. And welcome back to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, the greatest lender on the face of the earth, but I can't quite tell you where I work yet. But if you uh, if you need some help with mortgage financing, uh, whether refinancing a piece of property that you own or, uh, finan- or financing a piece of property you'd like to own, or if you're over 62 or your spouse is and you want to get involved in one of those uh, reverse mortgage things or you want to find out more about them and uh, find out that uh, if you're not thinking they're good, that's because you don't know enough about them, uh, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or get me on the web at edhoffman.net. Um, I open, open up the second half with uh, Great Balls of Fire uh, as a tribute to Jerry Lee Lewis, who we lost Friday morning at age eight, 87. And, of course, uh, for you uh, millennials or anybody who uh, wasn't alive in the 50s and, or wasn't just doesn't listen to music, um, you might recognize that, that song from the movie Top Gun from uh, 1986 or the movie Top Gun Maverick from 2021. So, uh, hey, uh, to uh, his family, we uh, give you our condolences, and we will uh, not forget the marks that Jerry Lee Lewis put on our uh, musical lives. So before the end of the, end of the first half, we were talking about uh, uh, the Gavin Newsom and, uh, and uh, Brian Dolly debate and the polling data and how you need to get out and vote and vote for everybody with an R next to their name and... Uh, and if you want to know who I'm voting for all the way down the ballot, um, just just search me on Facebook. I posted my ballot. So uh, in the debate, Daly started out the debate by thanking Newsom for taking time out from pursuing his dream to attend the debate. What's Newsom's dream? I think you know. I want to uh, start out by thanking the governor for taking time out of his uh 
for, uh, going forward on his dream of being president of the United States and actually coming to California and having a debate. So I really appreciate, Governor, you taking the time out of your busy schedule to focus on those issues that we just talked about uh, here in California. And I've barely been out of state. I was out of state for a few hours to take on his party and his leader of his party, Donald Trump, who he was a passionate supporter of and what they're doing to democracy. Yeah, a few hours. Let's see. I saw him there all day in Washington, D.C., meeting with uh, Jill Biden. And, of course, he made a trip to Montana that he wasn't supposed to do. And uh, he made a trip to Texas, and he made a trip trip to Florida. And, of course, he's uh, putting ads on Florida uh, to tell everybody they should come to California to get abortions. And I just think if you watch the debate, it was hard. But if you watch the debate, clearly Newsom's a better debater. He's more polished. Brian Daly was, was a, seemed a little bit out of his element, but he stood up to him, and he was, he was actually good because he was saying the things that we were thinking most of the time. The moderators clearly had it out for Daly by asking him this question, and Newsom seized on it. Did Joe Biden legitimately win the 2022 election against Donald Trump? Yeah, I, actually, he did win the election. But the big question is, is he, does he know that? That's, that's what I wonder sometimes. But I want to talk about... You're talking about he being who? Joe Biden. What do you mean by that? Well, I, 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 yes, I agree that he won the election, but I wonder sometimes if he actually realizes that he's president of the United States. Well, of course he recognizes, and that's if why I, if you're I may, insulting the president of the United States. May, of course he understands he's president of the United States. Yeah, I, what I don't understand here, what I don't understand is why, what the, you know, what they're, why politicians are so cowardly, they won't say what they mean. And when they say what they mean, they won't back it up when someone calls them on it. Um, we all know that Joe Biden wasn't really elected. We know that we've all seen 2,000 mules, and we all witnessed what we witnessed on on uh, November uh, November 4th, early in the morning, when we saw when we we all went to bed at the wee hours in the morning, and all of a sudden they just stopped counting. When have we ever seen that happen? You know, so we're we're watching 1:30 in the morning California time, and uh, and all of a sudden they just stopped counting, and then we wake up. 5.30 in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning uh, uh, the next morning. And all of a sudden, Trump went from being ahead by 300,000 votes to being behind a little bit while they're still counting. Wait, what happened? We thought they stopped counting, but we all went to bed because they were stopped counting. And all of a sudden, the the counting numbers changed. We all know that was BS. You know, when I think about uh, Mitt Romney, when Mitt Romney said that 47 percent of the people don't pay taxes and they draw from the government rather than paying into the government, and he's not going to get those votes. And, of course, when he called on me, when somebody uh, recorded on their on their phone and he got called on it, he backed off. He backed off. He should have said, hey, it's the truth. Forty seven percent of the Americans of Americans don't pay one dime in taxes. So when I say we're going to cut their taxes, it doesn't mean anything to them. He should have stood up by what he said and shown that he was that he was strong enough to to stand by every word he says. And most recently, I see uh, Mike Lee of Utah uh, running for re-election in uh, Utah, and he's calling on Mitt Romney to support him. Wait a minute, why would you call on Mitt Romney? He's the he's the he's the the biggest rhino in the Senate. He's the biggest turncoat. That, you know, he, he blew his election by not being strong, and you want him to, to support you? I just don't understand. Hey, you know what? Get out there and, and talk about the facts. That's what 
that's what surprised everybody else about Donald Trump saying, hey, you know what? The people coming over from the border aren't refugees. You know, these aren't the best and brightest that's coming from Mexico. These are these are rapists and murderers. He didn't say all of them were, but that's what the, the media seized on. But he's telling the truth, as we see. So I'm just not sure why politicians won't stand up to that. Uh, and Brian Dolly apparently wasn't strong enough. Well, yeah, he was legitimately elected. No, he wasn't. We all know it. We know it's not fashionable to say it, but that's how it is. Um, but it's because Newsom's dream to be president that he's failing California on all fronts. And now he wants us. Now he wants to fail the entire country. The policies that this governor's put forth don't work in California. Californians are suffering from the cost of living in California. He throws money at everything. But what are the results? Exactly. What are the results? He spent $20 billion, $75,000 per homeless person, and we have 22,000 more. It is growing. Absolutely. We know the number. Crime is running rampant. I know the governor talks about all this national stuff. He wants to talk about, you know, a president that's not even in office. He wants to talk about our party. He wants to talk about everything but the facts of what I see and hear every day on the street. Yeah, he does. He wants to talk about everything that has nothing to do with that. And uh, you know what? Hey, here, here's what we're doing. You know, you pay the homeless, you give them free stuff that creates more homeless people coming to it. You know, uh, I have mentioned this before that uh, a friend of mine went to Texas to look at properties a couple years ago, and he asked about the homeless problem. And they go, we don't have a homeless problem. When instead of giving them five bucks here and five bucks there, we uh, we all get together and give them a ninety-two dollar uh, 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 one-way bus ticket to California and say, hey, I got a bus ticket here for you to go to California. Everything's free there. And they get on the bus and they come here. So what is the object of making sure the that the illegal aliens and the homeless people have have free places to stay and, and free health care and free everything else? It just makes it worse. Uh, kind of like uh, when you uh, just bail your kids out of problems, they don't ever learn. They don't ever learn to uh, to solve their own problems. Another area where Newsom has failed us is education. California has some of the lowest test scores in the nation, and they plummeted even more during COVID. But don't worry, universal pre-K will solve everything. The policies you put forward are pushing kids and parents away from the public school system because it's not teaching curriculum. And what ABCs, we're getting all kinds of other social stuff that's being shoved onto our children, and parents are leaving our system. And that's a fact. He, he talks, he, he throws money at everything, but, the, but everyday Californians and parents understand that they want an education for their children. It's not about money. It's about the policies and, and what grade scores we're getting. They're plummeting in California. We received recognition from a bipartisan national education group for our unprecedented education reforms. What you identified are problems. We're identifying solutions every single day. High-dose tutoring, reading specialists. In high poverty schools, providing more staff, changing staff ratios, community schools, the investments we're making after school and summer school that we know work, preschool, to allow people the opportunity to have that early start in life. And we know these policies work. We just made these investments in the last few years. I can't make up for the 10 years you've been in the legislature, but I can talk about my record in the last three and a half, four years as governor of California. Yeah, we know these policies work. With what evidence? You know what? Throwing money at a problem to relieve parents from having to do their job and parent their kids solves a problem for the parents. But it fails our kids. And remember, our, fa- our kids will be the only ones left in this country in the years to come. 
we can't fail these kids. We have to make sure they get an education. And, of course, hey, look at what our graduation graduation numbers are. Hey, you know what? You're graduating people with no evidence that they have any any intelligence. They don't know how to read. They don't know how to do math. But, hey, but they put in their time, so the, the federal government gave the state their tax money, and that's all that we're really concerned about. But that's not where the where the results come from. So next, Democrats keep telling us that inflation, the inflation that's crushing Americans is beyond the government's control. To reiterate, the Speaker of the House rolled out this new word of the week. It's not inflation. It's the cost of living. And the fact is, is that uh, when I hear people talk about inflation, as I heard them there, we have to change that subject. The fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. Can you say idiot? I'm sure you can. Cost of living goes up because of inflation. Inflation went up because the cost of oil. Cost of oil went up because we got rid of all the uh, all the uh, all the oil production. So supply and demand. That's uh, funny how that thing does. And uh, so this is what we get. Let's not let's change what we're talking about. Doesn't make any sense. But that's what they're talking about. And this is why I say, hey, why is Pelosi still in office? She's too old to be in there. And this is the kind of intelligence she says and the and the media plays it. The White House insists they're helpless when it comes to tackling the price of necessities like gas and food. And yet they announced on Wednesday they'll be taking on the banking sector, major airlines, concert ticketing, cable TVs and the travel industry. They'll be doing this by cracking down on junk fees these industries impose on consumers. The first one, overdraft fees on your checking account. The administration worked with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB, the same uh, bureau that was created created by the laws that were written by the two guys that created the 2008 global economic meltdown, Christopher Dodd and Barney Frank. And the CFPB is issuing new guidance that says depositor fees and surprise overdraft fee practices are likely unfair and unlawful under existing law. Or as Biden put it, You pay a bill and uh, you double check your bank account to make sure before you write the check that you have enough in your account to cover it. You've gotten the money, so you go ahead and you pay. Then it turns out your balance wasn't up to date because your bank was slow in processing other charges. And by the time the bank gets around to setting the, settling the transaction, you've overdrawn your account. You charge an overdraft fee that runs around $35 each time. It's not your fault. The bank screwed up. You didn't. The bank did. Yeah, the bank screwed up. That's the ticket because the bank didn't update your account. Of course, you had $1,000 in your account. You wrote a check yesterday for 700 bucks and you put it in the mail. Hasn't gotten to where it's being delivered. So now it's the post office's fault. And so the bank doesn't know you wrote that check, but you did. You knew. Then when you wrote a $500 check today, the fact that it bounced, you wrote out $1,200 worth of checks. It's the bank's fault. This is ridiculous. We're crippling, we're crippling people while the, uh, in the country while excusing them for, their, for not balancing their checkbook. It's the bank's fault. Ridiculous. Biden assures us that new rules across all industries will be forthcoming. Last week, the Federal Trade Commission started work on a rule to crack down on unfair and deceptive fees across all industries. Fees that were never disclosed, never disclosed. And there was no way to avoid the fee, like processing fees for concert tickets 
or like resort resort fees. When you think you're paying one price to book a hotel, you only find out after you're checking out that there's a resort fee you never heard about that's added to your bill. The Department of Transportation is working on rules that would require airlines and travel sites to disclose fees up front. Fees like things if you want to sit next to your young child. <laughs> well, guess what? Or you check your baggage or change your ticket. You're going to be surprised. They're going to charge you for that without telling you. Some airlines, if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front, you pay more money. But you don't know it until you purchase your ticket. Look, folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair and they hit marginalized Americans the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. Yeah, these are all problems for low-income folks and people of color because they don't know how to read. I don't know. They don't read the things. You know, at a concert tickets, you know, you don't know there's a processing fee. You go online, you buy. I buy my concert tickets usually at the last minute, and I get them on StubHub or uh, Vivid Seats so I can pick my seats where I want to, and I know I pay extra for that. But, you know, if you buy them on Ticketmaster the day that they say right there, this is what your price is plus your processing fee. And then, of course, when you say buy them, they go back and say, here's the breakdown of your thing. Please confirm you're buying it. You're not supposed to read that? You don't know about those until after you bought them. BS, resort fees? Hey, I book I book my hotels when uh, Don and I are traveling. When we drive to Montana, we don't know if we're driving all the way through or we're going to or we're going to stop. So we stop and I go on uh, booking.com or booking my booking app and I put in where we're going to stop and I say pet friendly because uh, we usually have our dog with us. If we don't, uh, then we don't. Uh, then I say what's available and it says here's your Here's your uh, your hotel room. Pick your room. Here's your pick your room. And then it says, here's what it is. Here's the cost of the room plus your resort fee plus your tax. Blah, blah. It all says it before you click purchase. And then when you put click purchase, they say, please confirm purchase. Airlines, you, they say when you book your tickets, says, hey, your, your first two bags are free or you pay for your bags. It tells you. And then it says, uh, if you want more bags, it tells you $50 a bag or however much it is. And then you want six more inches. Hey, I book on Delta a lot, and uh, Delta Coach is one price. And then Delta One, which the only difference between Delta One and Coach is six more inches, and that's another price. And then you go into first class, and that's another price. Oh, they don't know that. And it, and it affects really uh, uh, people, of, uh, people of color uh, the worst. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. And this is all part of helping his party in the final days before the midterms, of course, because we've been, as we've been talking about it here, the Democrats have only recently figured out that abortion is not their top concern. Uh, so now, on rare occasions that Biden has been asked to campaign for midterm candidates, he's pulling out these tried-and-true boogeyman claims Democrats have been using for decades. We, the Democrats, are the ones that are fiscally responsible. Let's get that straight now. Republicans are fiscally reckless. Pushing tax cuts for the very wealthy that aren't paid for and exploiting a deficit that is making inflation worse. Republicans are determined to hold the economy hostage, either given to their demands on Social Security and Medicare, which millions of Americans rely on and earned and paid for, or Republicans are going to crash the economy. Well, okay then, you said it, it must be true. What's really happening is the economy is going to crash anyway in the beginning of the, the beginning of 24 and it's or the beginning of 23. And of course, um, he knows it's happening. But if he says this, he can he can say, hey, see, I told you it was going to happen if the Republicans got in. 
The Republicans just got in yesterday and the economy's crashing. Why is that? It's because of Joe Biden and his his bonehead, diverse cabinet of idiots. Hey, they're diverse. They're not competent, but they're diverse. So, of course, there's a lot Joe Biden doesn't know. Sometimes he doesn't know where he is, as uh, and sometimes he doesn't know he's the president, as Brian Daly said in the gubernatorial debate. Sometimes he doesn't know who he's talking to. As we saw a few weeks ago, he doesn't know whether a person he names is during the speech is alive or dead. And as we've heard a lot lately, he still doesn't know if he's running for president in 2024. This week, we found out that that's because Joe Biden doesn't know if he will be alive or dead by the time that election happens. It happened on MSNBC Sunday, answering host Jonathan Capehart's question about running for a second term. Am I slowing up? Am I don't have the same pace? Or, you know, uh, and that old joke, you know, uh, um, everybody talks about the, you know, the new 70s, 50s and all that stuff. You know, I, you know, it could be I, I'm a great respecter of fate. I could get a disease tomorrow. I could, you know, drop dead tomorrow. He might already be dead. You know, he's like uh, Bernie in Weekend at Bernie's. Maybe he's serious because minutes later, there was a very long pause about the subject. I have not made that formal decision, but it's my intention. My intention to run again. And we have time to make that decision. Uh, Dr. Biden is for it. Mr. President. Oh, Dr. Biden thinks that uh, my wife thinks that... uh, that I uh, that, that we're that we're doing something very important. Yeah, maybe he uh, paused and looked confused and half asleep because Jill Biden doesn't really seem to be a doctor, uh, so he didn't recognize that. People call her Doctor Jill as a uh, as a term of endearment, like people used to call me used to call me when I had an office. People walk in my uh, walk in my office and say, "Hey, Lone God, I have a question." I'd say, uh, "Shoot." Ask, and uh, I'm really not a god. Loan god was a uh, term of endearment because I'm just that good at loans. So anyway, little does uh, does Biden know the only reason anyone wants him to stay in office is they're more afraid of the alternative. Here's another example of uh, of uh, the idiocy that comes out of our out of our moron vice president Kamala Harris. So here's the thing. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just there's something about the, and and most of us, many of us went to school on the yellow school bus, right? And it's part of, it's part of our, our experience growing up. It's part of, you know, a nostalgia and a memory of, of the excitement and joy of going to school to be with your favorite teacher, to be with your best friends, and to learn. The school bus takes us there. Yeah, the school bus takes us there. We all have fond memories of that yellow school bus. Mama said not to be taking rides from strangers. This is a bus to school. I'm Forrest, Forrest Gump. I'm Dorothy Harris. Well, now we ain't strangers anymore. Yeah, everybody uh, probably has less than fond memories about those yellow school buses. Biden also doesn't know, or maybe he thinks we're too dumb to know, 
that his student debt relief package is not a bill that was passed by Congress. As we all know, he made an executive action. But that didn't stop him from making this false claim when he's speaking to a group of young activists, even bragging about the votes he got when, in fact, a vote was never happened. I've just signed a law that's being challenged by my Republican colleagues. You just get 10,000 written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two, and it's in effect. Yeah, even CNN fact-checked this one. Uh, President Joe Biden falsely claimed last week that he got his student debt forgiveness initiative passed by Congress. During an on-camera discussion conducted by a progressive organization, Now This News, Biden told young activists that they probably are aware that I just signed a law that is being challenged by the Republicans. Facts first. Biden claims Biden's claims are incorrect. Biden created his student loan debt forgiveness initiative through executive action, not through legislation. So he did not sign a law and he did not get the initiative passed by any number of votes because there was no vote. And in fact, it's being challenged now that this will ever happen that he had the ability to do it. And, of course, uh, I have a shirt that says, hey, my mortgage identifies as a student loan, so forgive that, buddy. And, uh, and of course, you know, I got another one that says, I want reparations from everyone who voted Democrat because of the effect it has on our lives. So, folks, Election Day is a week from Tuesday. If you vote, if you haven't voted yet, get out your ballot, fill it out. If you're not sure who these people are, vote Vote for everybody who has an R next to their name. Don't vote for anybody that has a D next to their name. Search me on Facebook and look at my ballot. Vote no on all the, all the uh, propositions, and let's have a huge turnout for this. You know, if the, if the Democrats figure a way to, to steal this election, it's not going to matter whether we didn't vote or we did vote. But if, if we have a chance, we'll have to vote. And if the Democrats get out there like they do in ballot harvest, we need to make sure that all of our all of our votes get in there. So get out there and vote. And uh, I personally have filled out my ballot. I'm taking it directly to the uh, to the uh, registrar of voters on Election Day, and I'm going to put it in the box myself. I don't vote. I don't trust any of the drop boxes, and I'm not. And I don't trust the the post office either because those guys are all uh, fueled by Democrats, and uh, I just don't trust. So uh, I'm but I am not going to sit out the vote. Get out there and do it. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again with you next week. AM 590. The answer. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.